Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. Good morning. It's very nice to see your lovely, well, half faces. Can't see your whole faces because of your masks. Well done. Um, so my name is Judy Owens, and this is my, I am the, the wife of one husband. <laughs> we have three lovely children. I'm embarrassed to say that this morning, does this sound, sound a little like I'm, it's okay? Good. Um, I'm embarrassed to say that I had to ask my husband this morning, how long have we been married? It's just said, age. <laughs> uh, 38 years we've been married. So, um, and we have three wonderful kids, and I think you're going to see them. Are you going to? There is actually some photos of them. You'll have to get them. So I have a daughter, Celeste, who is in Belfast. Oh, wait, that's Justine. Um, so I have, we have three kids, and so we have, and two grandchildren. We're very excited about the grandchildren. That is, if you haven't done that yet, oh, that is a wonderful season of life to look forward to. I'm here to tell you. It's all the joy and only half the responsibility. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I have a daughter, Celeste, who lives in Belfast, and I have a, another daughter, Justine, who lives in Tanzania with her husband, Skylar, and their two children, Zephaniah and Ruby. And then we have my son, our son, our son Z Zachary, who lives in Canada. So we're all over the world. And we uh, pastor the church in Arusha Vineyard, and we have been in Tanzania for 14 years. It is a wonderful country. And we have a really great church as well. So, yeah, it's great to be with you this morning. Yeah, it's such a, a delight to actually get to come to Nukuru. We've known Edgar for many years and uh, become very close friends. And he's been to our place. He's ministered in our church. He's led worship. He's preached, um, as well as being part of our Vineyard School of Ministry. And so we've grown very close, but never had the opportunity to come to Nukuru. And to finally get to meet you guys is, is a real blessing, a real privilege. It really is. And... Uh, and I, uh, our, uh, we would love your church to come and connect with our church. It would be great to have a time together because when I look out there, apart from the masks, there, there's such a commonality uh, in, our, in our hearts and in what God's doing here, I, I think. And so this morning we're going to be uh, sharing, um, and I, and I want to just... Uh, just preface this with the fact that um, we are two very differently wired people. Um, I, my wife is like an arrow, and I'm, I have ADD. Okay, so th that is a, such a blessing in our marriage. It gives such diversity. <laughs> and, and of course, tension, right? And this morning we're going to be talking about unity and diversity, and, or actually authority undermined. Because we're talking about that as something that is incredibly close to God's heart. It's actually probably, arguably, the most important factor in the nature of our journey as followers of Jesus. And it's probably the least addressed and spoken into in our trainings, in our discipleship. We're all told to love one another. We know that. We'd pass the exam. We'd answer the question, right? You know, love God, love one another. That is, the, those are the two commandments that basically cover all the rest. But 
I don't know too many colleges that teach you how to love those who are different to you. So our subject this morning is Authority Undermined, and the subtitle to that would be The Power of Unity and the Poison of Division. The Poison of Division. Because this is so important to God, this issue of unity, it is going to be targeted by the enemy. It is so strategic to him. So it's not just about us not getting on or struggling in relationships. We are, as, as the, the scripture uh, says in Ephesians 6.12, it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not just about getting on with each other, but it's against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places that are targeting the unity of the body of Christ. And so, and so we want to, this morning, the reason that we are talking to you about this is because we believe that we're in this um, unusual season of transition. Yes, Trinity Vineyard is in a, in a transition. Edgar is in a transition, but the body of Christ is in transition right now. COVID plays part of, plays into that a little bit, but we feel like it's on God's heart. There is a reset going on in the body of Christ and in your relationship with Jesus and in your relationship, what the church looks like, basically. And so we are in this period of transition, which is confusing, there's a lot of uncertainty, and how we deal, how we stay in unity, and how we, we resist division is really important. And so we want to look at the logic of the demonic strategy. So it makes sense. If it's so close to God's heart, I said, as I said before, we are not warring against just good ideas or trying to implement good things. We are uh, the enemy, the, uh, our, and our common enemy, he's not stupid. He is very strategic. He is not going to waste his energy on things that are not important, right? When he fell, he took a third with him of the angels. Okay, that's the kind of the implication we get from Scripture. And so he's outnumbered anyhow. He would be outnumbered even if he took all the angels and only had to deal with God. But just in pure numbers, he has to be very careful with his resources because they are limited. So that is what he's attacking because if we get this right, God is going to be able to bring and God will bring kingdom. Okay, the kingdom is God's God's desired results in any given place or situation, right? That is what, what kingdom is about. It's him getting, to, getting his way in a situation, right? And so when we're in unity, there is a power that comes with that that is unleashed against darkness. It brings light. It exposes the, the agendas of the enemy. So he's, you know, with that, we will start experiencing a level of authority automatically that is not ours if we are not in unity. A, a divided people has little authority. To love Dallas Willard, right, honey? And um, one of your favorite scriptures is about how Jesus wanted us to be, to have unity. And I love what yeah. he says. Yeah, so uh, Jesus uh, in John 13, and uh, we'll look at that maybe a little bit more uh, later, but John, uh, you know, in John 13, he says, you know, this is a, a new commandment I'm giving you as I'm leaving. He's about to face the cross, and he says, uh, I want you to love one another in the same way as you have seen me love you. Okay, he didn't say, I want you to love me the, way, the same way as I loved you. He's saying, I want to see you loving each other like I loved you 
And that is how the world is going to recognize that you're my disciples, not by your doctrine, not by your successful campaigns or ministries or uh, projects. It's by how you love and honor one another. And uh, Dallas Willard said, God wants to bring us to the place where he can trust us with anything we ask for. And he's, what he's saying is, he's doing it out of the context of John 15, where he says, if you abide in me, Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and I will give it to you. And so this isn't prosperity doctrine. The secret is abiding in me and I in you together in intimate relationship, which is reflected in our relationship one with another. Incredible authority. What's happening? Um, so we spend a lot of time in prayer asking the Lord for what we want. But what if we were to ask God for what he wanted? And, it, and this scripture is pretty clear what Jesus wants. Jesus wants us to, to love one another and to live in unity. What if we were to spend more of our energy on fulfilling God's dreams than asking him to fulfill ours. I think that might be, that might really bring a different perspective. Um, John 17, Jesus says that in his final prayer, right? Well, not final prayer, but um, this is pretty amazing. Um, when you want to figure out what's very important to a person. Listen to... What they say before they die. Sorry? Listen to what they say just before yeah, they die. that's right. <laughs> and Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, uh, uh, my, I'm praying to you not just for about my disciples, but for, listen to this, I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, right? We're the ones who believe in him through the message that came. So he's speaking about us here. But they all may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. So we can see that God is really into unity. But he hasn't just asked us to live in unity and to love one another. He's given us examples. And we can see creation is basically teaching us how to relate to each other. If you look at, so just as the human body, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And I have a picture here of like different colored jigsaw puzzles and different size, shape, people, colors even. And you know, the body does teach us how to relate to each other. My little finger really doesn't have very much to do with the back of my knee, but we're one. It doesn't have to relate directly to the back of my knee, but it does have to relate to the rest of my hand and my arm. And we can learn from creation and from just the pictures that God gives us. So there's a picture of a beautiful garden here, one masterpiece. And I just think if you look at all of the variety of different plants and trees and flowers, it's not uniformity, but it's unity. And it becomes this incredible, beautiful masterpiece. And so we're just going to quickly pop through some scriptures now to give you a real sense of how incredibly important oneness is to, in the scriptures and to the Apostle Paul especially. So we're going to just sort of rattle them off rapid fire. Finally, brethren... Rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. 
Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one pur uh, purpose. Philippians 2.2. 2. To sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. 1 Peter 3.8. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you and that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. And I plead with you, Judea and Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord, two women that were arguing, Philippians 4, 2. With one mind, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be of the same mind, sorry, be of the same mind toward one another. And don't be proud, but associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own thinking yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or remain absent I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel Philippians 1 27 and finally summed up by by the psalmist saying loving kindness and truth have met together righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Now we're going to show you what that looks like. <laughs> uh, okay. No, there's a table, sorry. <laughs> Psalm 85.10. So I think you should be convinced by now of the importance of oneness and unity. But we are surrounded by people who are different to us, right? They believe different things, they see things differently, they enjoy different things, and they act or behave differently. If you don't believe me, just get married. <laughs> so, we have two options when we're faced with people who are different than us. One, we can either hunker down in our position and try to convince them that they are wrong. And you can see here that there's a megaphone. Um, really, really, I, I just don't think they've heard my arguments strongly enough. I just need to emphasize it more. Or there's another option, that we can commit to understanding and appreciating their different position. And there's a picture here of a jigsaw in fitting together. So God only does unity through diversity. There's no harmony when everyone sings the same note. Right? That's there's boring over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And there are no soloists in creation. Even God is unity in diversity, right? So here are some ways to embrace unity while valuing diversity. Number one, I think it's important to get the big picture. Look at the whole symphony the whole orchestra, the whole body. And then you can begin to appreciate your part and their part. Then secondly, um, let's look at what the, the enemy's intention is. Because sometimes when we look at what the enemy's doing, we get a hint about God's bigger strategy. And so we're actually going to um, share with you now a sense that we have of the seven arrows, we're going to call it the seven arrows of division that the enemy is bringing at this specific time um, in this season. So we're going to identify them and then we're going to look at maybe um, ways to address it. Now, now folks, we've been, it's kind of been very much speaking concepts and tr truth now, but this is a very real issue. Um, the God is... Uh, doing work in all of our lives. And we are looking at seven areas that all overlap. We are all processing uh, each of these in our different ways because we are living life 
in a, in a, a broken a, uh, in a broken world and we're broken people in the process of being healed, right? And so um, you'll recognize with just asking the Holy Spirit to put his finger on specific, on the specific things that he's doing in your life right now and allowing him to, to give understanding to it. So ours is sharing. This is not clear, you know, as I said um, uh, before, th uh, this isn't a polished teaching. We're wanting to explore together what God is, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning individually, and it will have impact on the whole community here in this church and beyond. Okay, so it's just giving permission to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, speak to me. Um, help me not to be distracted because the enemy will want to distract us from that and even be thinking things like, I wish so-and-so was here. They need to hear this, right? Uh, have you ever thought that? I have, <laughs> right? So, so we're just going to ask the Lord. We're going to share and, and, uh, uh, and just see what God does. Now, also, um, we have got a very interactive um, environment in our church. So people do call out and ask questions and things like that. If they, if it, so we're going to ask you to, to, if you do that, to be succinct, because our time is limited and we want to have communion as well. Um, but please feel free to, uh, to interact. So we're just going to go through these arrows and give you more of a sense of what we've, how, how for the purpose of resisting these things intentionally. So pride, pride is obviously thinking more highly of yourself than others. This, though, can be secret and quiet and not that obvious until something gets taken away from you, right? You remember um, Satan fell from heaven. You know, he wanted more of his position and more power. And when it was taken away from him, is that's when you see someone's pride. And... Um, the season. Yeah, pride, pride just didn't get it. Uh, sorry, Satan just didn't get it. You just see that, you know, it, it reflects, pride reflects a lack of understanding of what the whole story is about. Mm -hmm. Our purpose, God's kingdom. And when we start thinking of ourselves or wanting to grasp, thinking of ourselves in a way that does not reflect who, who, how we've been made and what we've been made for, uh, it means that we miss out, Yes. as does the rest of the body. So this is not a time to be territorial. Uh, this is what I've always done. This is what my ministry is. This is what I should be doing. Can't they see how great I am? I'm not sure if you noticed, but in the body of Christ, it seems like many, many celebrities are falling. They're being exposed. And... And it's time. God is looking at the heart. He doesn't want any of us holding on. Oh, don't take that away from me. And so um, pride is one of the errors. It's, what it, when we say that, everybody suffers from pride. We're not saying that we don't. But we feel that there is a specific attack right now, a temptation for you to be prideful. And when something gets taken away from you, instead of saying, I give it up, Lord, whatever, if this is of you, it'll you'll bring it back. You're like, wait a minute, right? Um, so we can, it, it can be very subtle because you, you could be a very humble person, a humble demeanor, personality, okay? That's our personality. We could look at people that are confident, strong, gifted, and say, ah, oh, they've got a problem with pride. And we ourselves actually have pride in its own, own way in ourselves. Like, you know, how about when you're being talked down to. Even if you're, you feel like you're at the bottom of the rung and somebody comes and speaks down at you, disrespects you, now that's not okay. That's not okay. But how we respond will reveal whether we believe some of what they're saying and pride will we'll see how we're doing in the pride area as a result. The second arrow is accusation. Um, and so 
in Revelations 12, it talks about how the accuser of the brethren is day and night accusing us before the throne. And, you know, when times are uncertain, when things are unclear, when you're in a, a season of transition, it, one of the first things we want to do as human beings is lay blame. That is so-and-so's fault that this is happening. I'm here to tell you that there is, this is a season of uncertainty, and we're not going to know a lot of answers until it's the right time in God. And so there's another ministry going on before the throne, 24 hours, and that is Jesus interceding for us. And Hebrews 7:25. Thank you, my concordance. And um, so basically what I want to say to you as intercessors, sometimes we have to make sure that we get our, our dial on the right channel, right? You might be praying about the same person and about the same issues, but you need to make sure that you're in the spirit of love and kindness, not joining the accuser of the brethren. So there's two, two ministries going on. Make sure you're dialed into the ministry of love. Unforgiveness is the next one. Um, unforgiveness comes from hurt. And sometimes we can be hurt by somebody, and you can even be hurt by yourself. Um, I'm just going to tell a really quick story. And that is, uh, there was a, a man who was slashing sugarcane in Australia. And it's a very tough, hot job. You're just, you have a big machete, and you're slashing all day long. And he slashed, and he was a little bit too uh, rigorous, and he actually cut his arm with the knife. No biggie. He slashed it, and it hurt. Um, he, didn't, he didn't end up washing out the wound, and over a period of days, that became uh, sore and a bit inflamed. Over the period of weeks, it became swollen, and then it developed pus, and then it got smelly, and then the flies came. And this is a picture for us of what we, if we do not deal with hurt, and we all get hurt. Some of us get hurt more than others. If you're very sensitive, you need to deal with hurt constantly. Clean it out, clean the wound. Make sure there is nothing there that gets inflamed. Make sure you cleanse out, otherwise pus will come. That's unforgiveness, that's resentment. And then after a time, the flies represent the demonic. You've, you've made a landing place for the demonic to come if you don't cleanse the, the wound. So unforgiveness is really important right now. And if you're not seeing things clearly, if people are behaving differently, you just need to keep a short account. The next one is unbelief. And as things get confusing or things shift, it's easy to go to the place, has God said? Did God say that? It, does God love me? Is God good? And that's not a good place to go. Yeah, it's believing. It's um, not understanding, again, the story that we're in. Because um, really disappointment with God comes out of our uh, broken expectations, okay? So uh, most of us who came to Jesus were told that when you get to, when you give your life to Jesus, life will be very different, and the implication people hear, or most of us would have heard, is it's going to be easier. Things are going to go better, right? And so when things don't go better, when, when our circumstances may get worse for a season, in the middle of that season, it is very, it's, it, the enemy's going to come in and say, see, God doesn't love you like he loves everybody else. You're the exception, et cetera, et cetera. And so we've got to, it's that unbelief will show what, what we really believe about God and really above, about the story. Because this book is full of stories of people going through a hell season. Lamenting. So, Terrible t times of struggle and disillusionment and that, but God being with them throughout. And we should be wearing their shoes rather than just looking at the conclusion of the story where everything comes good and everybody lived happily ever after. That's actually Disney. 
It's not kingdom, right? We do get to live happily ever after, but it's in the ever after, right? It's coming. And that's the anchor to our soul and sees us through the tough times. The next arrow is dishonor. And that would be not recognizing the value of someone else. Uh, but I think it's a little bit more than that because we're in an age where there are Facebook wars between people who don't agree. And how can we disagree with someone and still do so respectfully and lovingly? I think that's an important challenge for us. Fear is the next one. Fear is obviously said, the hearing the words, the ship is sinking, God isn't aware, what on earth are we going to do? It's having a greater belief in the devil's ability to deceive us than God's power to keep us, right? So when we first came out, I remember going to the villages and preaching in the villages and being, uh, having somebody translate for me. And I'd be speaking, my heart mission, my heart message was the grace of God, right? We're not under law, we're under grace. What does that look like? It doesn't mean we go off and sin wildly now that we're, 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 there's no law. No, no. It's grace brings about his righteousness through us, etc., etc. And I kept hearing the, the translator talking about uh, Shatan. And I'm not very good in Swahili, but Shatan seems to sound like Satan to me, you know? So I'd stop and say, why, why, why are you talking about Shatan? Um, he said, oh, the, no, they will misunderstand you. I'm helping to put your message into context, right? And I'm saying, oh, can you just trust me and God? And let's just leave Satan out of this for this message. Is that okay? Because we actually, there's a guy, J.B. Phillips, uh, wrote a book called Your God is Too Small. And our God is too small. If we believe, you see, in this day of conspiracies of all these things, unfortunately, we don't have the time to get into stuff that we were hoping to share, but this is a time where we are to look to Jesus even more so. And these wars on, on the internet are the enemy's invitation to, to fight. He's goading us to get into the ring. And uh, John Wimber always said, your brother is never your enemy. Never. Even if you strongly disagree with him, don't dishonor him. We just talked about that. He is your brother. Unity with him is more about agreeing on the same thing. And so that, be very careful uh, just a word to you guys who believe conspiracies about vaccinations or not vaccinations or COVID, all of that stuff. Let me tell you that's all part of the storm that is going on. Jesus did not stand up in the middle of the storm. He, he slept. He was sleeping in the storm. We can sleep in, in him, right? We can sleep through that stuff. And Jesus said, I only ever do what I see the Father doing. So there's a lot of demonic stuff going on around, swirling around Jesus during those three years. Lots going on. And yet in John 17, he is about to go to the cross. He didn't deal with 1% with of the demonic activity that was going on. And, at, and he could say in John 17, Father, I've completed what you told me to do. I have finished the work, right? So we need to learn and take mm -hmm. an, uh, the example of God himself when he comes in the flesh and say, you don't have to do everything. You just have to do what the Lord is putting on your plate. Does and that make sense? So don't get pulled into fights that you shouldn't be fighting. And I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I love a good scrap. If I can get in a fight, bring it on. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, Judy, stop throwing stones at barking dogs. If you start throwing stones at barking dogs, you're going to be exhausted by the end of the day and have no energy for the mandate that I have given you. Give your energy to the mandate God has given you. The last arrow is, of course, self-rejection. So it's interesting when we look at who Jesus called to follow him. Um, just back in the, 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 the dishonor category, I had a few notes there saying, um, 
Jesus celebrated the Samaritan, someone who was looked down by all the Jews, and he's speaking to Jews. He tells a story about the good Samaritan. Now, in that time, the only good Samaritan was a dead Samaritan, right? Right? A jihadist, whatever, eh? something like, how bad can you think? What is the worst category? And this is the one that Jesus chooses to tell the story of one who reflected his heart. He chose the 12. Oh, I mean, for crying out loud, if you're in business, if you're in human resources, you would not choose any of those 12 people, right? But those are ones he picked. His value judgment, his choosing ways are totally different to us. He has called us for a particular purpose individually. He's called movements for a particular purpose. Not to be the whole kingdom, not to be the whole church, but to be part of the body. And self-rejection comes in where the enemy sees you as a threat. He is threatened by a doorkeeper who is serving as a doorkeeper unto the Lord. The enemy will try to kill that man. He's not really bothered by someone who's a CEO and shouldn't be in a CEO position. They should be in some other role, but got attracted by success. He's not, he's not going to do it. He's glad they're out, kind of out of the main action. So what, who God has called you to be. So I was, self-rejection is a huge thing for me. And I don't know why, because I had a good upbringing. I was really affirmed. I did go to boarding school for 10 years. Maybe that had something to do with it. But, but uh, God brought me to a very critical part of my life where he, um, I was sharing with a street person uh, in Brisbane. And, and I took the, they, they asked me for money for food. And I went, oh, yeah. Are you really hungry? I said, yeah. I said, well, I'll buy you food. And their eyes lit up and said, well, they're really hungry. It's not just money. So I sat, bought them food, and was looking over at them, sharing about Jesus. And I was so filled with the love for this person and realization of God's love and how special they were that I just started crying. I just said, you know, Jesus really loves you. You're so special. Then I saw them, uh, then I left, and I was walking back to, to my accommodation, and I felt so guilty, so guilty because God had, because I hadn't had my quiet time that moment, morning. And I was going, how could I do that? And the Lord, you know, brought this back to my mind years later, saying, David, you believe in my unconditional love for a street person, but you can't believe it for yourself. And I went, wow, I've just been a teacher. I haven't been a, a student. I have not been eating the food that I've been preparing for others and serving to others. And that was just step one, because Years later, only a couple of years ago, um, uh, I, was, I was praying again, and there's this stuff, this self-rejection kept coming up. And God revealed to me, he said, uh, God said to me, you get it that I love you. And you just spend time in my presence and you love receiving my love. You just get built up by that. And I'll preach about it. I'll sing about it and all of that stuff. That's very special to me. But then God said this. He said, but you don't agree with my estimation of you. I, wow. He said, you have this revelation of my love for you, but you don't love you. Guys, that's, that's me saying, God, actually, you're wrong, but I, I'm really glad you are. Are you, are you, are you with me now? So we, we're talking about pride. We're talking about the, these areas of, that come out of it, like accusation. We're proud. We lift ourselves up, and so we see what's wrong in others, and we accuse them of that. We, we harbor unforgiveness. We're, we're hurt. Um, we, we walk in this fear of this unbelief because we're not experiencing the presence of God and we dishonor each other and all of this stuff and we're afraid of what might happen to us which comes out of unbelief it's not really believing the presence and the love and the, it, it's and then we 
we, some of us reject ourselves. Some of us have lifted ourselves up. We are entitled. We feel entitled. God has called me to great things in his kingdom. God has given me this talent. God has given me these opportunities. And, and you know what's happening is God is dealing with that in right across his body around the world. The big, the giants of ministry are being judged. When I say judged, God's judgment is putting things in order. God's judgment is not killing people unless they totally reject him. But God's judgment is bringing order back. And that's what God's doing in his church now in this season. He's bringing order back to the body of Christ. And so whatever part this may play for you in the, as, as we've been talking, we just, we're going to go into communion shortly, but be, we just invite you to just, we just ask you to, to ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, what is it you're saying to me right now? What is, are you putting your finger on now? All of us have got a heck of a lot of work to be done in our lives. We're broke. We're a community of the broken. That's what the church is, right? And I'm one of them. So there's a lot to, lots to be done. But what is the Lord doing this morning? So there's a scripture that David is going to end on that sort of encapsulates all that we've been speaking this morning. Um, and it's from Ephesians. It's the whole chapter. So um, he's going to read that, and then we're going to go into communion. And communion is about oneness, right? It's about, Paul was addressing the divisions in the body. And so this morning as we take communion, we want to make time for you to be able to bring some of these things and intentionally stand against them. Be aware of these arrows of the enemy, and they're not going to find a landing place in you because of your decision to address pride in yourself, to speak the truth in love and not accuse, to commit to forgiving, catching those moments of unbelief, honoring each other, no matter what your differences, having a bigger view of God and accepting yourself, agreeing with God about his assessment of you. So Paul is writing from prison to a great church. It's the church in Ephesus. And he's, he's writing, he's unentitled. He's sitting there not believing that he should be treated better, but he sees himself as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and he's jailed for his obedience. He ends up being killed for being a faithful follower of Jesus, right? This is the story that we don't like um, to be uh, a main part of. We want to be, have a different version. And he pleads with them. He said, as a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you. And I'm want, wanting us to quietly to see this as a devotional thing as we go into the communion thing. This is him speaking to, to the church, right? To us this morning. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us on this. He said, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. That which has been given to you in your divine calling. That's a special thing. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you are called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father, and He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. He has appointed different ministries, the apostolic, prophetic, evangelism, pastoral, and, and teachers, and all of these ministries are designed 
to prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge the body of the Christ. These grace, uh, as that happens, we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, every rumor, every conspiracy, or by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Does that sound relevant today? Right. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow to become in every respect the mature body or faithful reflection of the nature of him who is the head, that is Jesus. For from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. You're a supporting ligament, guys. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor. Right? Be honest. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or let anger be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words be, become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you. God himself has sealed you in Christ Jesus until you experience the fullness, the full implications of, of being saved. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His influence in your life. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice or nastiness. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ Himself forgave you. Amen. So as we come to the table this morning, um, we're just going to pray for the bread and the wine. Father, we thank you for your body, which was broken for us. And this is a place of exchange, Lord. As we come to the table this morning, we bring to you our brokenness, our sin, our hurt, those offenses, Lord. Even our confusion, all of those things, we bring them to you this morning. And we want to thank you for your body, which was broken for us. And we thank you, Lord, for your blood represented by this wine, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we want to receive, we want to exchange this morning those parts that you've pointed out to us today. And we want to receive your forgiveness, your righteousness, right standing with God, purity, innocence, peace, Lord, where we've had anger and we've been involved in arguments, Lord, just redirect us back to our mandate, what you've called us to put our hand to. On the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Drink this. And all, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me, of what I'm about, of what this represents. This is the one cup, the one loaf that we are all part of is salvation for all of us through the cross. So let's eat and drink 
in commitment to this. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So just remember, folks, communion represents the body of Christ. Our taking communion represents our commitment to the body of Christ, not just the Jesus. None of us has a personal relationship with Jesus to the exclusion of not being part of his very real messy body. And we contribute much of that mess. That's a humble revelation that we are part of the mess, and he loves us in the midst of that. And he's unmessing us over time in his way and only by his grace and power. Amen.